question for you this morning. And it's probably not going to be a surprise what my question is, right? Because I've been asking it every Sunday morning for the last nine weeks. But that question is this. How is it with your soul today? I first asked it uh, back at the beginning of the new year in January. And uh, maybe back then you struggled with answering that question. And I'm not surprised because I've been asked this question pretty much every month for the last five years of my life. And sometimes I struggle to answer this question. And it's for different reasons. Sometimes I struggle to answer it because I just am not that aware of what's going on inside of me at the moment. Sometimes I struggle to answer it because I can't figure out how to find a category to express what's actually happening in me. And sometimes I feel like I just end up talking about emotions, right? Like, well, I feel unsettled, or I'm kind of sad right now, or I just feel angry. But that's okay, because emotions actually provide a window into our soul. Sometimes we're critical of emotions, and we're like, well, you know, we don't need to be too emotional, or we don't need to go there. But actually, emotions, if we use them as indicators can be helpful to us because they re- reveal what's going on on the inside of us. But realizing that this was a hard question to answer, and since we're asking it again today, I want you to answer it again today. But realizing it's a hard question to answer, we provided a worksheet in your notes. And if you get your bulletin today, there is that same worksheet again, but it looks a little bit different this week. And if you open up your notes and it's in the inside uh page there, we've listed some of these experiences or states or conditions of the soul, and I'd like to invite you again, like we did the very first week, to look over that list and to indicate where you are or where your soul may happen to be. And maybe your soul is feeling unmotivated, or maybe it's feeling hurt, or maybe it's discontent, or maybe it's more on the other side there, alive or or comforted, or calm. But take just a minute, if you would, this morning, to evaluate where your soul is. Now, I hope that as you do this, that maybe where a couple of months ago you checked off a lot of boxes there on the left, that maybe this time you can check off some boxes on the right. And maybe you've been able to put into practice some of these ideas that we've been talking about, soul practices is what we call them, and and maybe you've seen a shift. Or have you noticed that we laid out that checklist a little bit differently and we moved the blanks on the the left-hand column there to the other side of the word? And you can actually draw a line across and connect those two blanks now because the way we've laid out the worksheet this week is they're pretty much opposites. Your soul could feel over here, for instance, dry, or it could feel over here nourished. And we can put a line between them now. And what I'd like to encourage you is even you can even put like a slider on that line, like you'd use on on a radio or or a, a different control type thing. But maybe, even if you can't say that I'm all the way over here, maybe you could see where you've made some progress. And the truth of the matter is, we kind of do this, don't we? On that continuum between the two extremes, we, we kind of slide back and forth. But my hope is this morning that we've been able to move from here to here, and maybe with what we talk about this morning, we could take it even a little bit further.
But here's what you probably found again as you looked at this list, is that you could check off several of these boxes. Because there's like all of these different things going on at the same time inside of us. And the reason that is, is because we're very complicated people. And our souls have are, are working and functioning in a lot of different areas or in a lot of different even emotions as we've explained those. But they help to identify a state of our soul. And as we've worked through this message series, each week we've looked at one of these different states of the soul. And we're going to come back and finish with a review this morning of that. But we've followed a process, and I don't know if you've been aware of it or not, but we have followed a process every week that's pretty much the same. And I want to really identify it this week because it will be helpful to you as we go from here. It will be helpful to you in dealing with soul issues. And the process looked like this. We started the very first week and we talked about awareness. And that's where every Sunday I start with this question, how is it with your soul? Because we do need to be aware of what's going on in our soul. And then we've moved on to a second part there. And that's asking, why might it be this way? Or why is my soul feeling this way? Or why is it like it is? And then we've gone to another step, and that's action. To actually say, here's a soul practice, or here's something that I can do that might help my soul do better in this area. But as you look at that list, and as you look in your notes, there's the third blank there. And I think there's something that we can insert into this process. And that's what I want to do this morning, is I want to insert a soul practice that works with all of these different emotions or all of these different descriptions of our souls. And I want to define it and and explore it a little bit today because I think it can be really helpful to us as we care for our soul. The term is something that Jennifer Rothschild gave a name to for me. She's a Christian author, a woman speaker. She does Bible studies. And she wrote a book, and I think it was my wife, Kelly, who's read the book. But the title caught my attention. The title of the book was Self-Talk, Soul Talk. And the basic premise of the book is that she noticed when reading specifically through the Psalms that there's several times that the author seems to actually talk to his soul and actually would address his soul, say something like, oh, my soul, and then there would be like a fill-in-the-blank type thing. In fact, if you're interested in that, the growth guide that's on the front of the notes covers several of these places where the, where the authors of Psalms would, would speak to their souls. But it, her thought, and, and, and I think really makes sense, is the idea that we have the ability to speak to our souls. In fact, we need to speak to our souls. In fact, we actually do speak to our souls, but we need to be way more cognizant of what it is that we're saying, and we need to be way more intentional about what it is that we're saying as well. But in this book, she makes several observations, and let me just mention a few of them as we set this up this morning. We all talk to ourselves. Have you noticed that? Some of you even talk out loud to yourselves. It's a little disconcerting when other people walk into the room because they're wondering who the conversation's with. But we have this conversation that's constantly going on on the inside of us. 
We don't necessarily pay that much attention to it, though. It just is a constant running monologue, pretty much. But that conversation actually dictates decisions that we make. It it dictates um, uh, things that we say. It even dictates the emotions that we feel. This conversation or this voice or this talk in our head dictates how we live. The problem is we don't pay attention to it to start with, but we don't evaluate it either. And because of that, this tape's just playing and we just accept it for what it is and we never challenge it and we never ask to say, is that really true or is that really helpful? And if we would do that, we would benefit our souls remarkably. See, we don't realize how much this conversation inside of us is affecting how we live, how we see ourselves, how we see the situations that we find ourselves in. This past week, I'm working or helping with a little basketball project that's going on at Grayson School. And so there's 20 little fourth and fifth graders out there. And uh, last Tuesday, we were shooting free throws. And one little guy stepped up. I don't even know his name. He stepped up and he took the shot and it went about five feet. So it was like a 10-foot air ball. And he looked at me and he said, see, I suck. But you know what? That's the message that's going on in that little guy's head. And I looked at him and said, no, 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 no. You missed a free throw. There's a big difference in those two things. But some of us, we've told ourselves things like this over and over and over again until we start to believe it because we've heard it so often. Or sometimes we've even had other people speak into our stories. Sometimes it's even like the home that you grew up in. But we have this talk that's in our head and we don't realize how damaging it can be. And we don't realize how powerful it can be on a positive side as well. Let me just mention something before I go on here. This is an app that you can get for your phone. It's called Thought Diary. And Thought Diary, is, is you can just put it on there. And it actually asks you to uh, stop when you feel uh, an emotion come into your, to your story that you're aware of, to stop and say, well, what's the emotion? And then it actually steps you through, well, why are you feeling that way? What are you thinking? And it actually tries to move your thoughts towards a positive direction by the end. And even says, what are you thankful for? So if this is something that you'd like to just have a really practical thing, see me afterwards, I'll show you that app. But the idea is, if we can learn to talk to our souls with truth, our souls and our lives are going to be a whole lot more healthy. I was listening to a podcast back a couple of weeks ago of a story told by John Gordon, who's an author. But he, he shared this, and I'm just going to read from the transcript of the, uh, of the interview. He said, the best advice I ever heard was from Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. That means you do an Ironman, which is a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26-2-mile run, And then 24 hours later, you repeat that. He's done six of them. The last time he did it, he was 59 years old. So there's still hope, folks, okay? 
He was asked how he did it, and this is what he said, and this is pretty profound. I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. If I listen to myself, and uh, I hear all the negative, all the fear, and all the doubt. But if I talk to myself, I can feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. And he would recite and memorize scripture, and that's what he used to fuel himself. And that's just his little nuance is how he viewed it. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of times passively, we just accept all these thoughts that are running through our minds, hearts, souls. And what he's saying here is, why don't you challenge them and actually tell yourself what truth happens to look like? Well, there's an interesting example of this that shows up in the book of Psalms. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalms 42, because we can actually see this concept of soul talk played out. And we can actually see the process of soul care played out as well. So Psalm 42, and we're going to read through the whole passage here this morning. But the psalmist writes, as the deer, in verse number one, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And this is a desperate type thing, like I am not going to make it unless I get water, is the idea here. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, men say to me all day long, where is your God? And we see his awareness there of his spiritual dryness and his need to be nourished and to be hydrated by God himself. And we started with this. uh, This was our first soul care practice on the second week, this idea of spiritual hydration. But our souls are never, ever, ever going to be healthy unless we connect to the source of life, and that's God himself. We are spiritual beings at our core, and we have to deal with the spiritual, or else we'll never be healthy at a soul level. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. He's like, I've got to somehow connect with God because I'm in trouble here. I'm not doing well. My soul is dry right now. He goes on in verse number four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. That's how it used to be. I used to be connected to people. I used to be filled with joy, but not anymore. And then he says something that he will repeat two other times after this. But it's this process. He says this, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And he starts with awareness, right? How is it with my soul? I'm downcast. I'm disturbed. And then he says, why am I like this? And then he offers an action step, which says, I will praise him. But in there, he speaks to his soul and he says this, put your hope in God, soul. Let's keep reading here. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, 
from the heights of Hermon, from the mountain Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And he is choosing hope here because he's remembering these great things that God's done for him in the past. In verse number eight, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer of God, a prayer to the God of my life. And it sounds like his soul is doing great, doesn't it? And then check out the next verse. But I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying all day long, where is your God? And you can see and observe here how the soul talk shifts. And he goes from hope to hopelessness. And he goes from being positive about what God's done in the past to negative, like, I'm not seeing it, God. And he goes right back into the same process. But notice what happens in verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And he goes back to the process. And instead of staying where he is, he's like, whoa, 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 time out. I need to check this. And he goes back to this process. And I think it's important for us to realize that as we work on some of these issues, we're going to have setbacks. We're going to regress from time to time. We're we're going to take a few steps backwards. But if we can come back and say, okay, I need to get back to where my soul is healthy. I need to go back to where I'm saying things that are healthy, healthy and helpful. And so we can be worn out and the tendency is for our soul to talk negatively. But if we can keep going back to this process, we can start to work on this idea of replacement. And we can start to say things to our soul that will be helpful, hopeful, and healthful. But this is a story of a man who's struggling soul-wise. And you can keep reading actually into chapter 43. And it shares more of his struggle, and it comes back to verse number 5 of Psalm 43. It says this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. He keeps coming back to this. I will tell my soul to hope. So how is it with his soul? Well, awareness tells us that he was spiritually dry. This is awareness. He said what? My soul is spiritually dry. My soul thirsts for you, God. He says, I'm emotionally spent. Tears have been my food day and night. He's relationally disconnected. He said, I used to go worship with the throng, with with the crowd. I'm disconnected and isolated all of them. And he's mentally erratic. He's all over the place here, up and down, high and low, bobbing and weaving. That's the awareness. In fact, he summarizes it. By saying this, he was downcast and disturbed. The question, though, and you could say depressed, by the way, and we haven't really talked about that state of your soul, but if that's the state that your soul is in, this is a great chapter for dealing with depression. But then he goes on and he asks the question, why? And the answer to the question is because he had lost his focus. Or he'd started listening maybe instead of talking. But he lost his truth in the process. And when he lost his truth, he lost his hope. And so then he says, well, what actions 
can I take? And he does two things. He tells his soul to hope in God, and he chooses to praise God. And let me just take one quick detour to talk about that last thing, and then we'll come back to, to soul talk again. But in choosing to praise God, let me point out, first of all, that he made a choice. And when we take ownership, even for the condition of our souls, we will realize that we have choices that we can make. And if we make these choices in the right direction, we can take our souls in the right directions as well. And he chose to praise. And praise moved attention from himself to God. It reminded him of who God is and what God does. It pushed him towards hope and away from defeatism and negativity. And it fed his soul with truth. And so praise is a great tool to put in your soul care toolbox or med kit. But don't miss this fact that in these verses, he's repeatedly telling his soul what to think, what to believe, and what to do. So what I want to do this morning as we wrap this up is to go to the back page of your handout. And I want to walk through this page a little bit. And I want to challenge you because this is, these are the things we've talked about the last seven weeks. I want to challenge you though with what the issue is, remind you of what the soul care is, but then actually explore what the soul talk should be. And hopefully it will make it something that's really doable for you. So we see the first condition here is dryness or emptiness. And the soul care practice that we recommended was spiritual hydration, spending time with God. Now, here's the things that we listen to. Well, God doesn't care. He's really not that much into me. My life's never going to get better. It's really not worth the effort spiritually because I'm just going to be disappointed. And we say those kinds of things to ourselves when it doesn't go well. Here's what soul talk that's based on truth might say. I will spend time with God because he'll pour into me and he will renew and refresh me. And when I tell myself that, it's a whole lot easier to jump into the word, to jump into prayer, to take that time to just spend with God. How about this soul condition of exhaustion or fatigue? Well, the soul care practice would be practicing Sabbath and finding rhythms of rest because God made us to be rest-based creatures. But here's what we have a tendency to say in those times. Well, everyone's asking me to do things. I am so exhausted. I am never going to get everything done. But you know what? If I don't try to do it all, then I'll miss out. My kids will miss out too. And people won't think highly of me. And these are the things that go on in our heads. But Soul Talk says this, you know what? I was made to rest. Sabbath is how I trust God with my time. By taking time, I can restore myself or be restored, and I can probably get more things done and do them better because that's what we're taught. But if I tell myself those things, then I'm more likely to go in those directions, right? We talked about this soul condition of being distracted or having a lot of noise or stress or or even being weighed down and weary. In our stories. What's the soul care? Well, to slow down. 
to practice silence and solitude, to, to move towards simplicity. But we say things like this, it's just so hard, I feel so weighed down, but I got to pick up the pace, and, and everybody's talking to me at once and telling me what to do, but, but I got to do something, and it's all stressed and panicked. Or we could say things like this to our souls, you know what, I don't have to be in a hurry. I have enough time to do what's important and to get it all done. And if it's really important, I'll get it done. And if it's not important, that's okay too. Well, I can even turn down the noise in my story, even literally, whether it's coming from a person or coming from a phone or coming from a television set or whatever. I can do that. I can even cut things out of my life. I can miss out and still be okay. But if I'll tell myself those things, I'll be more healthy. How about if you're hurt or injured or disappointed? We said the soul care practice is to, to look for solitude. And grieving is a part of life. And we need to give ourselves time to grieve. And we need to go to the one who heals in our grief. But here's what we end up saying sometimes. Well, sure, I was wrong to hurt, but I just need to tough it out. Or we say this, you know what? He hurt me and I'm going to get even. Because at least then I'll feel better about it. Or we say, well, I'm bitter, but I have the right to be bitter. I've earned the right to feel this way. Or we do this, like, if I can just drown out the pain by doing whatever, I'll be okay. And we talked a lot that week about drowning out the pain. But what we need to say to our soul is something like this. Yes, I hurt, but it's okay to hurt. And it's okay to grieve. Even Jesus grieved. So I can invite him into my pain. Jesus, come into my pain and please give me comfort. And you know what? He'll do that because he cares so much about me. And that's what we need to tell to our souls. How about if we're restless or discontent? We talked about this idea that we need to sync up with who God made us to be and what he made us to do. And the more we line up those two things, the more rest and contentment and settledness we'll have in our soul. But we say things like this, I don't like what I'm doing, besides I'm really not very good at it, and I don't even like who I am, but it is who I am, and I'm always going to be that way, and I don't have any choice anyhow. Or you can say, you know what? God made me unique, and I have a unique purpose. God has gifted me in special ways. I just need to discover and use those gifts. And all of this is about worshiping me, and I can do that, or worshiping God, and I can do that. What do I choose to say to my soul? How about if we're anxious and insecure? Well, the answer, the soul care, is to find security and sufficiency in Christ. But we say things like, this isn't going well. I might as well prepare for the worst. That way I won't be disappointed. Maybe I should hide. Or maybe I should intimidate and bully my way through. All of these things that run through our minds when we're feeling anxious or insecure. When we could be saying, you know what, God's given me gifts and he's given me power and he's even given me his presence. Sure, it might be hard, but I can do what I need to do. And Christ is enough for me because he gives me ability and security. Last week, we talked about this idea of loneliness and isolation and that we need to find a supporting cast. But we can say things like nobody understands me or cares about me. Everybody around me is just for themselves. I just need to be strong for me. I don't need anybody else. That way I don't get hurt. We have these things going through our heads if we listen. Or we can choose to speak truth like, I have people in my story who will help me. Maybe I just need to ask. 
And there are people all around me who need support as well. I can speak into their story and offer them something. I don't need to be afraid of them. I can just reach out to them and we can hold up, support each other, lean on each other. And any of this, if you missed these, these are all online. You can get them on iTunes or you can go back on our website and, and uh, listen to these things. And I encourage you to do this. But all of these issues that we face, there are practices that we can take. But this idea of soul talk is what's going to get in there and support you in those practices and help keep you going and help you start to see some excess and some victory in those areas of your life. So how is it with your soul today? Are you aware? As you look at that handout and those lists, where are you? If you're on the left, you can move to the right. There are practices that will help you that are laid out there in Scripture. But you can actually practice soul talk that will help you move in that direction. If you will talk truth to your soul. Let me finish by reading some verses that we read the very first week of this series from Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul is so, so, so important. In fact, Jesus said, it's really the most important thing. The question for you, for me, for all of us, is will you care for your soul?